If you've been here before, you know, hey, that's not Charlie. If you haven't been here before and you heard on the radio Charlie's voice, you go, that's not Charlie's voice. Um, Charlie and PJ are doing a whirlwind tour of the uh, Northeast visiting family for Christmas. So they are not with us this morning, so you're stuck with me. Sorry in advance. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're in the Northeast. Saw this morning they are in Maine preparing for lobster with family. So uh, they're really roughing it. Um, but they will not be back next week either. You'll be, uh, it'll be the week after. So I'm not sure what Sunday that is. Is that the, the 5th? Okay, perfect. So next week it's not me. So if you come back, it'll be somebody else. Um, I'm one of the elders here, if you don't know. Um, and Charlie has asked me to, to fill in. So... I'll do my best and uh, hopefully not uh, commit any grave sins in the process. So uh, if you would bow with me, we'll uh, pray, and then we'll get started on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Let's we'll start. We'll continue on this fourth Sunday of Advent and joy. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for uh, the people who are here this morning, for the people behind the scenes, up front, who are, are making things happen, for those that have come to join with us uh, in, in worshiping you. And Lord, we, just, we thank you and praise you for your work and for the reminders and uh, in the music that we just sang. Um, I, I love how you work, Lord, and that um, the songs fit in with what I'm going to say, and we didn't talk about that. And I'm just grateful, Lord, for, for your work behind the scenes. Just ask that in this time, that the words that I say would not be my words, but they would be your words, Lord. Um, that your truth would be proclaimed this morning. Um, just bless this time. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Joy. That's what we get to talk about. Um, as I mentioned in my prayer, I love the songs that we sang. And um, hopefully, as I go through and unpack what I've got for you this morning, we'll be able to see how those songs, although they don't immediately seem like joyful songs, a couple of them, really do fit in. Uh, so we're going to see. So what is joy? Where does it come from? What do we do with joy? All those wonderful things. Anybody have a definition of joy out there? What do you think of when somebody says the word joy? Happiness, okay. Anything else? Peace, okay. Good places to start. What was that? Christian hedonism. Okay. I'm picking up where you're going with that one. All right. It's a good starting point. I like it. So, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it as the emotion invoked by well-being, success, good fortune, or the prospect of possessing what one desires. When I think of Joel, I saw that as an, well, okay. It's not really what I think of when I think of joy. I feel like it's lacking a little bit. Um, so we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about joy. Um, when I first started studying for this, I'm like, oh, how many times does the word joy show up in the Bible? That'd be an interesting thing to know. Kind of a, a dork when it comes to that stuff. I like, like seeing that kind of thing. And So joy itself appears in the Old Testament 88 times in the course of 22 books. 57 times in the New Testament in 18 books. If you start looking at 
joyful and rejoice, which have the same root word, then those figures easily double, almost triple. So it's talked about a fair amount. Now, I know the Vikings have already clinched the playoffs, and they don't play today, so we could go through all of them. We're not going to. Um, we're just going to look at a few of them, because we'd be here all day and all week if we looked at all of them. The first one I'm going to look at, and I believe it'll be up there, because I already got Ike the stuff, and uh, yeah, 1 Chronicles 16, 25 through 27. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. A little bit of context. Uh, this passage, David is giving direction to the Levite priests and instructing them on how to praise God uh, before the Ark of the Covenant. So a little bit of an idea of what, what he's talking about. So he's telling them, hey, this is how to praise God. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. So what does that tell us about joy? Well, it's, it's a, an attribute of God's dwelling place. It's an attribute of God. He is a joyful God. Joy is where he is. Okay? We're going to move on to Psalms 4, 6 through 8. It's, a, it's another thing from David. It's a con, the context of David crying out to God in a time of trouble. Um, Many are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy when their grain and new wine abound. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So he's talking, it was mentioned before, peace. Peace plays a role in joy. When other people are getting their joy in grain and new wine and the things of this world, David says, no, I'm going to get my joy from you, Lord, my peace from you, Lord, because it comes from you. Look at another spot in, in Psalms, Psalm 16, 11. Again, from David. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Another, where joy is coming from being in the presence of God, coming from the eternal pleasures that God has in store for us. Okay? One that everybody, I think, thinks of, at least if they've been in church for a while, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruits of the Spirit. It says, For the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So joy is lumped in with a couple of other things that are part of Advent. But it's an attribute of the Spirit. comes from the Spirit. As, as we're going through that, the fruits of the Spirit, Paul is talking about the differences between walking in the flesh and all the bad things that come out of that, and then walking in the Spirit and all the good things that come out of that. So we can see again, joy comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit and walking in step with Him. <clears throat> Um, moving on again, Luke 1, 44. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. A little, little bit of context. And, and when Mary, she's pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary comes over, and, it, and when Mary gives her greeting of hello, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and John, the baby in her womb, leaps for joy 
at the fact that the Christ is coming. Joy comes from God, from the promises of God, from what is to come, the fulfilling of that. Here's the one that, that is the Christmas one, the one that fits in perfectly this time of year in Luke 2, 9 through 11. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I give you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Joy. In the midst of terror and fear, coming from the Lord because of the good news. Joy comes from God and comes from His good news. It was mentioned before Christian hedonism when I asked for a definition of joy. Pastor John Piper is is kind of where some of that comes from. I really like what he has to call, or what he has to say about what he calls Christian joy. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. I really like that. It's an emotion, it's a feeling, but it's more than that. It's a gift from God, and it comes out of beholding God's glory and his goodness and his faithfulness. And we can see that throughout his word. We can see that throughout creation. And we can rejoice. Joy is an, an orientation of the heart. Um, as I've seen other, or heard others put it. It comes out of a mindset. Rather than focusing on this world and the trials and the, the day-to-day and, and, and those things. We're focusing on the coming glory of God. We're focusing on the goodness of God. We're focusing on the things that he has done in our lives and the lives of those around us. We're focusing on that. And it is a beautiful gift from God that we see when we behold him. Things. So joy, it's all those things. Um, but there's, there's a little bit of a rabbit trail that I want to go down to. And it might be a little bit of a curveball But joy is more than these things. It's also a commandment. Now, some of you might be going, wait wait a second. The way you were talking, this is a a happy thing. Commandments aren't happy things. Well, I want you to bear with me. We're going to take a look at where where I'm getting this idea and and why this is a good thing, that it's a commandment. Um, So... And these ones, I, I'm just going to quick, rather than putting them up on the screen and, and having another dozen verses uh, on the screen, I'm going to give you the quick context, the quick version. I would encourage you to take a look at them after the fact. That's part of, my job is to, to get you thinking about things. Your job is to then, after the fact, go, hey, was he right? Is that true? Do some work on the, on the back end. So I'll do my best to, to get through this stuff and, and give you good information, but I would encourage you to take some look at this throughout the week. Um, as you have time. I know it's busy and a crazy time of year. But So, 
where am I coming from that joy is a commandment? I'm going to start in the Old Testament, uh, in, in the Psalms again, and we're going to go back and look at, uh, in Psalms 149.2, let Israel be glad in his maker, let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. It's a command for the, is, the nation of Israel to, to rejoice in God, in who he is, and the fact that he has made them and is their father. In Psalms 14, 7, it says, Let Jacob rejoice, let Israel be glad. Psalms 97, 12, Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. In Psalms 100, verse 1 and 2, it says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Shout to the Lord. All the earth, not just... Not just the nation of Israel, not just the righteous, the righteous too, for sure. But everyone is to rejoice in who God is and in his creation and what he has done. Psalm 67, 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. If we, if we switch to the New Testament, the, the tune doesn't really change. The person saying does. This words of, of Jesus uh, come through in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12. It says, blessed are you when people insult you persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. A little bit of context there. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they the face prophets before who are before you. Rejoice and be glad. And in the, the face of all these other things, commandment to rejoice and be glad. Why? Because your reward is in heaven. Because of what is to come. In Luke 6, 23, leap for joy. In Luke 10, 20, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Command to rejoice, and why? Follows up, I was following up with a, the why, because of what's to come, because of the promise that I have for you. The Apostle Paul continues to bang on the drum, so to speak. In Romans 12, 12, and, and 12, 15, be joyful in hope, rejoice with those who rejoice. A commandment to rejoice with those who are already rejoicing, to come alongside of them. Also, in that same passage, it talks to, to uh, weep with those who weep. So it's kind of a double-headed thing here. But there's still, when somebody is joyful, be joyful with them. In 2 Corinthians 13, I would encourage you to look at, at 2 Corinthians as a whole, and specifically chapter 13, Paul finishes up with a rough letter to the church. And he's hammering on things. And he finishes it, in verse 11 with, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice, strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. That's this, hey, I just beat you up, I just gave you a bunch of stuff to work on, but now remember, rejoice. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is from Paul. He was beaten up, he was arrested, he was shipwrecked, he was locked on an island. And he's saying, rejoice. Philippians 2, 18, be glad and rejoice with me. He just gets done telling them, hey, I don't know what the future holds for me. I might be at the end of my life here, but I'm rejoicing and I'm glad. Rejoice with me. Be glad with me. Philippians 3, 
1. Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, 4 through 18, probably where it says kind of most succinctly that it is a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evidence to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Look, he gives you the command, rejoice in the Lord always, and then he gives you, how do you do that? The Lord's near. He's in control. Focus on the good things, the noble things, the right things, the pure things, the lovely things, the excellent and praiseworthy things. Think about those things and be filled with joy and rejoice. Joy. It's, it's this emotion. It's a gift from God. It's commanded by us. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we can enter into that joy by focusing on the goodness and glory of God as we are led by the Holy Spirit. So going back to the songs we sang, Another in the Fire, and, and I, can't, I can't think of the title of the one right before that, but it's these, these songs of remembrance of the goodness of God, of the fact that he is there beside us. It just fits in really nice, I thought. And I just love that how that God, God works in that. Because it is. It's these remember these things. And then rejoice out of that. Have joy. Also, love the, the prayer focus. I'm talking about the faith tree and, and praying for those and, and the times that we have, especially at Christmas time, meeting with people and seeing family and friends who maybe aren't believers. Joy is a great tool for opening doors to evangelism. Because when circumstances are dire, when the world around us is in despair, when people see our response, and it is a response of joy, even in sorrow, joy even in pain, people notice. They go, wait a second, why are you responding that way? Why are you so at peace with what has just happened? It doesn't make sense to me. And then, if we're aware of that and we're keeping our minds open to the doors God is opening to us, we have an opportunity to share that joy with them. What was one of the passages we read? I bring you good news that will bring great joy. The gospel is quite literally good news. What does it bring? Great joy. Joy does all these wonderful things for us as individuals, but it also opens those doors for us to do the work of God, what he has commanded us to do, to go and make disciples. One of the ways we get to do that is by showing the joy we have to others. I don't know how long I've been talking. I've got a couple things left, um, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe it's been a really short message. Maybe it's been long. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention to that side of things. But 
I got a couple of, of, of final thoughts, a couple of places to leave us with. Uh, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, he wrote um, Chronicles of Narnia. Many people probably know him for that, but he's written many. He, writ, he wrote many other books that are much more theological in nature, um, and, and I would encourage you to check out some of those. Mere Christianity, uh, The Weight of Glory. Um, and in, in his book, The Weight of Glory, uh, he says this about joy. He says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go making mug pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. It's written a little different. It's written a long time ago. He's British, so it's written a little different than what we would write it today. But in essence, rather than taking that gift of infinite joy, we seek after the things of this world. Rather than taking that gift of infinite joy, we're pleased to sit down and play in the mud. Why? Because we don't understand the offer. We don't understand or we can't imagine the good things God has in store for us. So when we find ourselves without, with a lack of joy, seek God, meditate on his goodness and the glory of God and, and to see what God has in store for us and then live in the truth that God is in control. Um, Matt Chandler said it this way, I don't have the quote, and um, he said, we need to become experts on the goodness of God and what he has done in our lives. Um, my paraphrase, of probably butchered the quote poorly, but um, so what do we, we need to focus on the goodness, the things that God has done in our lives and become experts on that. Rather than focusing on the negative, let's focus on the goodness of what God has. Settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. The determined choice to praise God in every situation. Layoffs. Deaths. Sickness. Broken relationships. They're going to happen. The result of a fallen world, the result of sin, they're going to be there. And when those things come, we're commanded to be joy. Command, and that's hard. But the beautiful thing about it being a command means that it's possible. If it wasn't a command, if it was optional, that leaves something to the question of, well, can I have joy? I don't know. But when it's commanded, God's going to provide that way. So it is possible to have it. We just have to seek God in that time and in that place. And remember the good of what he has done. Remember the good of the cross. Remember the good of the baby lying in the manger. So this holiday season, let's not settle for mud pies in the slums. Let's not settle for Christmas lights and presents under the trees. Let's seek and savor the goodness of God his unfailing faithfulness. Let's look at the grand plan of salvation that God had planned out from the beginning of time. 
Let's remember the birth of our Savior, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who now stands in the gap for us, the one who paid the price that we could not pay. Seek him and remember him and his goodness. And through that remembrance, in light of all these good things, let us rejoice and be glad. They said, there will be sorrow, there will be pain, there will be trials, this broken world. It will cause us to take pause, and there's going to be times where we're not going to feel like rejoicing. But I would encourage you in that pause to seek him, cry out to him, and rejoice. Because he is good, and his faithfulness endures forever. I'm going to call Dave and Ryan to come back up, and, and we're going to close us out with a song. Um, as they're coming up, we're going to close out with prayer here, and, and, then, uh, and then we'll sing. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, in this holiday time, we, we, we thank you for the remembrance of your plan for salvation. Man, thank you for that baby who was born, who became a man, a sinless and perfect God-man, who died on the cross for our sins that we might have eternal life. I thank you that we can rejoice in those truths regardless of the temporal circumstances that we're living in right now. We can rejoice in the fact that we have eternal life because of what you have done. It doesn't depend on us and our mistakes, but it depends on who you are and your goodness, and your faithfulness, Lord. And I thank you and praise you for that. And I ask that you would help us to rejoice in that this week. Rejoice in that today. Rejoice in that as we go into the new year, that you are good and your faithfulness endures forever. In your name we pray. Amen.